What's up, guys? Coach Joe here with my boy Davi. This is the first episode of Beyond the Smokestacks. Um, we re- we re- we re- rebranded last week, um, and uh, we are really excited about it. Um, we are Sans, our other co-host Christian, who who couldn't wasn't available to to chill with us tonight. But we're here with Davi. What's up, Davi? Nothing much. I'm just watching the uh, the highlights here. I just saw the Talos Mago miss from the top of the six yard box. So that's uh, very concerning signs. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get yeah, to just, it. Uh, yeah, just here tired, tired as hell after a long day of work. But uh, happy to be here. And our special guest for this episode is none other than Jordan Griffith. What's up, Jordan? Joe, what's up, man? I appreciate you guys having me on. We've had some great NYCFC experiences together all around the country at this point. Um, it's really great to have you on. I'm glad to see that you're out here putting all those crazy things you got on Twitter uh, into the atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so for those of you guys who don't know, um, so me and Jordan, go, we go way back. Um, I was a, I did a special guest spot on his former pod, um, NYCFC Nation. Um, Jordan uh, took me to uh, the uh, closed-door scrimmage against the Long Island Rough Riders. At uh, at Etihad uh, Training Center, where th- that was the famous game where we um, where uh, Daniel Bedoya uh, co- was cooking, <laughs> and then we signed him afterwards, and uh, then didn't play him. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, obviously Portland was 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 a was a movie. It was it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so Jordan, uh, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty polarizing on Twitter, but but Jordan uh, Jordan Jordan's got that that verified check mark, and he he drops the heat. He don't tweet he doesn't tweet often, but when he does, it's, it's super fucking important, right? <laughs> Absolutely, man. You got to be out there. Like I said, uh, NYCFC has always been for me like my team. Um, I've grown up in sports. I played pretty much every single sport. You know, I played through high school. I played college sports. I played all over. Um, and I played every single sport and followed so many teams. I worked with some athletes. Um, so I really have just kind of been all over sports. And when NYCFC came around, that was it for me. Like, I had never really had a team that I felt was mine. You know, my family's from all over the place, all over the country. So I've had a lot of experiences. And New York City FC is always the first team and the only team that I really truly feel, you know, belongs to me. I was in the first 75 season ticket holders. And now I know I'm in, like, the first 25, I think, or something along those lines. And uh, well, at least 25 remaining. And this has always been my team. I always show love, and I'm always excited to talk about the boys. I know, but you're like uh, you're like the NYCFC whisper in terms of uh, dropping dropping some random hot news. That gets he's, like, he's like the Fabrizio Romano. Ah, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, somebody said that on Twitter too, and I can't lie; it was hard for me to get my head through some of the doors after <laughs> that one. But uh, yeah, I, I honestly like I've been pretty blessed to have some great connections in all sports, and some of those have led to NYCFC. Um, obviously, I take real pride in you know trying to be right and trying to do the right things, and uh, I'm pretty fortunate that I hit two or three really big ones so far. Now, I mean, for those of you guys who are listening, I, don't, I mean, if if you don't follow this man on, on Twitter, let, let, let's uh, let's have him share out where, where he tweets out of. Yeah, pretty straightforward at underscore Jordan Griffith. Um, you know, I've been um, had a few different names for a time, but it'll probably be that for the remainder of my time. And you know, like I said, I'm always tweeting NYCFC. I'm tweeting other sports that I'm involved with. Um, but anytime I got some big news, I'm always dropping it there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so uh, Jordan, uh, new guest in the pod. Uh, let's let's uh, let's let's rapid fire some questions at you. Uh, favorite player of all time, NYCFC. 
I mean, this is the easiest question in the world. Everybody knows my answer, I think, based on it. I mean, it's Tati. It's Ben Tati. Uh, from day one, I mean, game one, you know, he scores the first goal and everybody kind of goes down. But I've always just been such a big believer of, you know, his fast twitch, his ability to move, his ability to finish. Um, and I've been singing his praises for a long time. And people kind of gave me heat for a little bit for, for, for a period of time there. And then obviously it's worked out. And you know, I think he is at this point maybe the most successful player in NYCFC history. I mean, it's kind of tough to measure that. It's not a real, you know, stat or anything like that. But obviously, you've had Bila, you've had Naxi, but I think the story of Tati is one that any player at any level can really bond with. Yeah, his his come up hit different. I mean, uh, I know that uh, I was up in the stands at, at Portland uh, with the rest of the NYCFC fans, but I know that you had a particularly good vantage point of uh, of his the culmination of his uh, of his time at NYCFC. What was that like, being able to be where you were and see that goal go in? Yeah, you know, I've been in a lot of sports. Like I said, I worked in sports television for almost a decade now. You know, I've been at, you know, playoff games across the country in multiple sports. You know, I've been to a Super Bowl. Um, and that atmosphere, that experience, you know, one, obviously, you know, being in such a tight-knit final. Um, if you look at other sports, you know, you always have these massive stadiums. And, you know, there's 100,000 people. And it's really, really kind of tough unless you have great access to, you know, to be kind of close to the action. You know, the ability to play in a soccer stadium, you know, that close to the field for fans, I think, in general was awesome. And then for me personally, I mean, it was such a special moment. I've been grinding, grinding, you know, in sports journalism for, for a long time. And to kind of get that appreciated, to get that moment and really be able to appreciate, you know, the finish, the goals, the comeback by Portland, you know, the PKs to be on the field. Um, I believe I was actually the first non-team member to hold the trophy, which is really, really cool. Um, where none, the person who either worked with the team or was a family member of the team. Um, and it was just really, really a great day. It's honestly one of the best days of my life and one that I'll always, always remember. And, you know, seeing our boy Tati go out and finish, you know, watching Sean Johnson, you know, stand on his head and, and make multiple saves. It really was a storybook ending. You know, Collins, PK, just, it's like a movie, like you said. And it was just an awesome experience and one that I'll always be grateful for. Did you by any chance get any mementos from uh, from Portland? I have no further comments. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, uh, I, I say this every time, but if you if you need to pull up like a web browser to uh, Google the current roster, um, do you uh, do you have any favorite current NYCFC players? Yeah, I mean, I, I've always kind of um, enjoyed you know watching players grow during that, um, and you know this roster is obviously tremendously different than we've had over the last few years. I mean, the easy obvious answer is Maxime uh, Chanel, you know, just because he's a legend, I think, for the club at this point. He's also a guy that's just always been tremendously nice to fans. Um, and to me personally, you know, I, I've been at a lot of events, um, you know, both at the stadium, outside of there. Um, and he's always, I've never seen nothing, anything but class um, from Chanel. Um, especially like even you know, walking the street, I've, I've seen him and I've seen other players. And you, know, you say hi to a player sometimes and they kind of keep it moving. And Maxime, I think, is really just, you know, taking up this mantle of being kind of New York City's warrior and really loving it here. I mean, he's obviously going to be a coach in the future. I think he wants to coach here. You know, his experience, I think, is, is definitely, you know, one that any player could bond with. And uh, just watching him grow, I think that's the obvious answer. Now, I really love Carlos Magno. It's really interesting to see, you know, what his season is going to look like going from, like, kind of the Robin and, like, the second guy, this young, up-and-coming, exciting player, to now kind of being the focus, um, or at least we're hoping that he's the focus at the top there, or at least someplace in the attack. Um, but I've always really enjoyed, you know, watching him play and just his freeness and his openness. Um, but really, like I said, the rest of this roster, you know, there are guys in new places all over. There are new players in a lot of places. 
Um, I think this is going to be a, an interesting stretch and a defining stretch, you know, for the front office to try and, you know, put this together and kind of bounce back after losing, you know, pretty much, you know, 80, 90% of your roster. Yeah, I mean, definitely going back to Maxime Cheneau, he's definitely a player that has been around for the longest. Um, and it's kind of, when you, when you think back to, like, the years that he's been here, he's been here for since the second season of our existence. Um, the only kit that he hasn't worn is was the was the black uh, away from the fifteen season. So he's been he's part of the, the lifeblood of, of this of this club, and I think it's really a good sign to see that he's continuing and that um, I think he has aspirations of of transitioning into a coaching uh, uh, club administration role, um, which is it, it's a good thing to see that that's what that's what club legends should do um, is is stick with a club like when you're a one club man, especially in the league, because uh, especially in a league like MLS where players tend to bounce around a little bit. Um, it's good to see him uh, stick stick with us, and uh, and really cement himself as a as a club legend. Um, last question, uh, and the, this is on the heels of of a, of, a, of, a, of an official release. Um, what is your favorite NYCFC kit of all time? Yeah, I mean the, the black kit by far. I have a few versions of it. Um, you know, it was the first one that I was just like I would wear that. You know, even if I wasn't a fan of this team. Um, I'm a soccer fan in general. I have a bunch of jerseys, um, but that black kit I think has always been legendary. And I'm really actually shocked that they haven't done like a, you know, like an off, uh, a throwback kind of day where they wore something like that or re-release some of that shirt because that's a shirt that I think that fans would jump all over if they could. It's definitely the black kit. Um, you know, outside of that, I haven't been too impressed with some of the recent jerseys. I haven't got a chance to see the new jersey in person yet, um, but you know, I love the concept of it. You know, I didn't really like the pictures of the new jersey, especially the ones. On the store site, where it kind of looked just really bright, um, but I've seen it in person. You know, you're wearing it right now, Joe, um, and it looks a lot better when you see it kind of flowing in, in its normal form. I co- I completely agree with that statement. Uh, I uh, I know Joe texted it like the the attachment. He sent it to the group chat with me and Christian in it, and uh, I was just, I was just like waking up and like, oh, what the fuck? This shit is ass. I was just, I was just me waking up, and then I woke up and like, oh, you know what? This is phenomenal kit and then seeing joe wearing it it just looks way better than in the pictures i can't wait to get my hands on it yeah i was definitely blessed uh to uh, order it off of adidas and then have it literally arrive the next day so they, they <laughs> have a they have a code that. on right now to get like 65 percent off but i'm not sure if that applies to the jersey so i might i might be jumping on the uh, i might be jumping on yeah that. if that's true send me that code right now <laughs> the, the code the code is scored shoot i might do it in the middle of the podcast Work, do it. yeah <laughs> I wish we were live live because then we can just get other people to go do it. But uh, yeah, so I mean, let's let's roll right into the kit. So yesterday was uh, yesterday was the kit, official kit launch at ten a.m. Um, uh, what? So I mean, let's go with uh, with knee jerk reactions of, of what you guys saw because I mean, obviously, I, I saw it weeks in advance. I had the stupid freaking NDA that made me not available to uh, to give too many details. And that was very sketchy. The way they they actually showed you, like when you described it to us, like the guy, like. Took you guys like behind like a corner, and made it look like a drug deal and everything. But that was very sketchy the way uh, you described the way how you first saw it. But yeah, so um, I'm pleasantly surprised. I really love this kit. It, the subway tile is just so cool. I, I absolutely love the design of it. Obviously, we saw like last year with the Volt kit and in previous years that like the fans like who did the the release like media stuff like they got to like go upstairs into into like a building or whatever and got to like wear it take pictures in it like see the kit like on a mannequin like they got to like actually like, it was actually like, a legit viewing i went to do this like this this city photo shoot video shoot type thing oh yeah you were in the video 
You were yeah, kissing so, the ring. So we did, we did we did the video. We marched around the str- around the block like with our flags, and we they, we we all had to wear Volt stuff. Couldn't wear anything goth, um, Bronx blue. Um, and then uh, after we uh, you kissed your ring. Yeah, 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 that was great. Um, after we got after we marched around and they took the videos and, and, and photos of us and stuff, uh, they kind of just pulled the kit out of a backpack, and uh, and just kind of showed it to us like right there on the street, like right in front of the uh, city administration building. We didn't even go inside. I'm, I mean, that sounds pretty New York to me. I mean, I kind of <laughs> real like sketch, bro. the it's underground, real yeah, the underground kind of you know approach that. I mean, the club is kind of you know secretly. You know, they kind of know what they're doing with that kind of stuff. They want the anticipation to build. Obviously, you knew the jersey was going to drop. But I kind of do like that little bit of an underground, you know, drop um, of some of those type of things as well. You're obviously one of the fortunate ones to see it. Um, but, you know, can you just tell us in person, you know, things that you think stand out that didn't stand out when you saw pictures of it? Well, I mean, obviously, I got to, like, I got to see and hold the jersey uh, when I went to that event. Um but I mean, re- like the things that stand out to me is that the the star is like a legit, like it's like the legit star now. It's not like the little just piece of like fabric or whatever that that cloth that they just ironed on there during our Bronx Blue Championship season last year. Like this is a legit star that has like really good texture to it. It's a really like it's a legit star over our badge now, which I really really like. Um, the uh, the the collar. The orange little orange piping in the collar is elastic, so it, it kind of it's it's stretchable and it kind of really fits nice and snug, not too snug around your neck, um, and uh, just the, the fit of the jersey it's it's true to size, but also it, like it, it it's it's lighter than the Bronx blue kit. The Bronx blue kit I felt was like a little bit heavier, um, and it feels reminiscent to kind of the way it feel when I was when I when I'd wear the uh, racing stripe kit. Uh, similar similar cut similar. Similar texture to the fabric, uh, feels a lot like the uh, like the racing stripe kit. Uh, doesn't feel like the stupid Gotham kit. Doesn't feel like the Bronx blue. It feels it feels uh, very similar to to the racing stripe. And actually, I guess maybe a little bit similar to maybe a little bit similar to the to the Volt kit. I mean, it's a nice fitting. It's a nice fitting jersey. It's a little bit longer in the back than it is in the front. It kind of uh, it's almost cut like a goalkeeper kit. You know how the goalkeeper kits are a little bit longer in the back than they are in the front. Um, but there's no like slit in the side or anything. But it's, I mean, it's just, it's a really nice kit. It's like, I, I've been, I've been saying to everybody. I mean, I know you guys are looking at me because I'm backing up right now. But like, it, this is the, this is the first time that they've taken a, a risk, Adidas. I mean, a risk on a, a NYCFC home kit. Everything else has been very generic and kind of plain. And there's been no risk taken. It's just blue. Other, other than the racing stripe, that was like the yeah, only. And that's not even a risk. It's just, it's just a fucking vertical stripe with, with with two different. It was blue and orange. It was just a vertical. But, it's a racing but, but stripe. To, like it's just but up until yesterday, that was like the only like kind of design like on the home jersey at all. Yeah, Everything else was just the plain blue. Opening season was just the Man City light blue. Um, and then, uh, what, what was the next home kit after that? It was it the, the was it, it the, was it was it was like the other blue one with the orange. It was like slightly darker, yeah, with like the orange cuffs. Yeah, um, I hated that one. Uh, and then and then it was the racing stripe, and then the Bronx blue, and then this. So like it's like this is by far head and shoulders above every other home kit that we've had. It feels authentically New York with the logo of the subway tie. Like, I mean, I'm like I feel like I'm like. And, and no one's telling me to do it, but I'm just like I'm like defending this jersey like on Twitter, like people are trying to rate like like I don't, I don't want to get too off topic here, but do, like do you guys have do you guys like the, the Seattle Sounders kit? Fuck no, that shit is ugly. Like I'm, the Seattle, I'm getting in fights. Uh, with, one? 
What? The Bruce Lee kit. Yeah, the Bruce, Bruce Lee, Lee Oh my god. I think that's the best one of the best kids I've ever seen. I would pop that in a heartbeat. No, it's How? no, it's actually an it's actually an embarrassment because Joe pointed it out. You when you're wearing like uh I feel the like, yeah. like yeah. you have your rival's fucking uh sponsorship on your on the front of your own shirt. They're wearing, Are you gonna it's they're wearing RSL colors with Providence written across their chest. Like, yeah, I mean, I get that in terms of you're a fan of the team and you know the background of that. I just think the design and the look of it, I mean, I, w- I would kill. It's red. Have, you know, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like I said, I'm not a fan of them, so I don't care. I'm saying, like, I would wear that jersey regardless of the team. Would you wear an NYCFC kit if it was red, like, the if it was if it had any red in it, like Red Bulls? Or if it was if it, if if it was if it had any gold in it like Philadelphia Union, I would wear a gold kit in a heartbeat. Um, maybe not a all gold kit because that's not something I would wear. But I mean, the colors of that don't matter. The only one is the Red Bulls one because there is the New York, you know, New York is blue, New York is red thing. So I wouldn't wear something like that. Other than that, like I said, I mean, I just I'm a, I'm a big fan of like you know trying to take risks and having like something that's a little bit different. You know, outside the box, and I think that is a, a really clever kit that I would wear in a heartbeat. All right, and then the other the other one that I I, I think is the ugliest thing I've ever seen is is uh is the Colorado kit. The Colorado kit looks like something that belongs in the Museum of Modern Art. Like it's just a bunch of different colored uh, shapes on the jersey. Yeah, I, I saw it, but off the top of my head, it's not really standing out. Um, and then, so, and, then yeah, today, and then today, the Chicago Fire came out with a kit that that pretty much like almost looks kind of like the exact same crap. As Colorado would just like random different shapes, red and blue, like blue and blue and red, like the Chicago blue and Chicago red, like just up and down the sides, like it's just I'm just mm. like, and people are saying like, oh my god, I'm like, I'm like this shit is ugly, like it's fucking ugly, <laughs> and like the only the, the ones I have like so far, talk about that the the Red Bulls kit, that one that one looks like fucking well the Red piss. Bulls kit it's it's yellow and then with yeah random, it looks like somebody pushed them over a red shirt blue. And like I guess, yeah. tr- I guess they're trying to to draw comparisons to that little freaking taxi cab that they had last week. That it's supposed to like look like the taxi cab. Yeah, the taxi cab with the fucking Pennsylvania uh, license plate on it. And it's and funny then, because like they they obviously they claim New York, but then most of the stuff and it looks like the design was based off of the New Jersey flag. Um, but most of the stuff that is all Jersey based, which you know obviously like it is what it is. That's fine, but that's not really the sell that you make in terms of your branding and marketing. And here's the other thing. Uh, so they're, they're talking about how it's a uh, it's a collaboration with this guy named Patrick Patrick something or other. What's this? Do you guys know what his name is on top of your head? I don't know the name, but I did see it was a collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'm looking. Oh, here it is. Uh, Daniel Patrick. So I'm I'm looking like okay. So it's a collaboration with Daniel Patrick. I look, I look at Daniel Patrick, and he's based out of Los Angeles, California. So, like, when you're when you're making a kit, you want it you want it to feel authentic, authentically like your club, your city, your t- like your state, like what what you represent, and like th- so that like they're collaborating with this guy who lives in who's a who's an artist in L.A. Like that's not how is that authentically New York New Jersey Red Bulls? Like it doesn't <laughs> like they're this, this kit right here. Country. This kit out of all the other ones I've seen. I mean, I, and like. Don't get me started on the fact that Bruce Lee lived in Seattle for five years. Um, he, li- he lived to be 32 years old. He lived in Seattle for five years. That's 15 That's fifteen percent of his life spe- was spent in Seattle. How is he authentically Seattle? He was born in San Francisco. Like, no, like I understand he went to college there, but he just went to college there. 
I don't. I'm not. I'm not connected to fucking. It's probably a Niners fan. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not connected to Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, because I spent two years there going to college, or East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, or Wayne, New Jersey. Like I went to all these. Co- like, he, he just went there for college. He just happened to go to Seattle for for college, and then like so. I, I don't see the connection. It doesn't feel. Like, I, it doesn't. Like, I get all that. I understand all of the your points on that too. I just think in terms of the aesthetic, that to me is, is a gorgeous kit. And when yeah, I, would, I feel I like they're grasping at straws to try to find artificial connections to like the, to like yeah. Bruce Lee to Seattle to make. Uh, I would I would like to say I dislike the Austin kit. The Austin kit is so fucking ugly. That is the worst one that was released yesterday. Besides well, the, the so Red Bulls, the first thing kits. I think of when I see the Austin kit is those little Andes mints. You know what I'm talking about? No. The the Andes little mint chocolate things where you, where you, you you open them up and it's like green and black, green and black, green and black. You know what I'm talking about? Mm. No. No? Jordan, you know what I'm talking about? I kind of have a, a reference, but not, not off the top of my head like that. Like, the, like you get them at like restaurants, they're like green and black. Like it's yeah, like, yeah. So I that's what, what I think yeah, of yeah. when I see their kick, is it's just, it's just green rectangle, black rectangle, green rectangle. <laughs> I think that, that the Union one is basically the Simpsons sky. Yeah, and then the Union one, like, okay, like, I can definitely get down with some camo. Like, camo is fucking, although, it, camo crosses over and like, is it a pre-match kit? Is it a regular kit? Like, anyway. But, like, the colors they used in the camo, it's, like, so light. Like, it's almost, like, I don't know. I feel like they could have went, like, some of the colors could have been a little bit darker to contrast and make it look, like, better. I will I will give them credit. The Simplistic logo does look does look good. What, Thomas's? Yeah. No, 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 the, just the snake on the jersey kind of kind of looks clean. Yeah, I mean, so uh, that, that's their thing. Like, that's their secondary logo. Um, but, so, for, for, since their inception, almost, of I think Philadelphia has had Bimbo across their chest, like the bread company, right? Um, but then now I guess they've partnered. It, it, it was it was a uh, Astrano for like the the Ar- last Artist- one. Artistano, 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 yeah. And the then now it's Thomas's. Him. So it just looks yeah, really weird. Not, to have, yeah. It looks really weird to just have a bo- uh, a box with the word Thomas's written across it going across. Like it just, I don't know, it looks out of place. Um, but yeah, so being but uh, so our kit. So I mean, not, not not I'll just say it, it kind of looks like a kind of looks like they, they wanted to buy themselves kind of like a like Heinz like a ketchup bottle or something. <laughs> just a box. Just just yeah. it just looks like that. So, I mean, knee-jerk reaction, I definitely, this is our, I feel this is our best home kit that we've had to date. Um, and I do, and personally, I do feel it is a direct contender to the number one spot with the 2015 secondary black kit. Um, I, I, I like this kit. Um, I don't think it touches the black one, in my opinion. I think the black one is head and shoulders above, and I really wish we'd bring that back. Now, I haven't seen this one in person yet, so I'd like to see it. I'd obviously like to see it on the field as well, and most complaining with these guys. Um, you know, it, it's a solid kit. It's definitely, my first reaction is not, oh, that's bad. Um, that's, I thought I had a little bit more expectations when there were all the, you know, the hype was originally building and stuff. Um, but I, I do like this kit. I mean, I do think it's towards the top, you know, three or four that we've had. I think it's number one. I think just just because of that, because of uh, how authentically New York is, I think that takes it all the way to number one. Yeah, I mean the subway tiles are are, are legit. Like it, like it, it, and it, it's not like a little. It's not small. It's like the entire. Like the subway tiles come up from the bottom of the kit, and then go all the way up. So the NYCC is like in the heart middle of it, and then you have the badge. I like how um, Adidas kind of got a little bit more simplistic with the uh, with the. Logo it's kind of it's kind of like Nike, just like the swoosh. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like I really like the uh, the new star. The new star is, is lit. And obviously, and NYCFC Nation uh, has been doing the tiles on uh, scarves and on uh, shirts for a long time. Those will be a really nice matchup now with, with that. That's pretty cool. NYCFC Nation is the OGs with the subway tiles. And then the, the bottom corner, the jock tag of the uh, of the uh, the flame 
from the Statue of Liberty. That's really nice. Yeah, like the probably, this is probably the nicest jock tag we've had since the uh, the pigeon jock tag on the racing stripe kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's it's a, it's a great kit. I'm excited for people for people to get it. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm excited to see what it looks like on the uh, like this on on this new Apple TV, uh, and I and actually on the field. I mean, we don't we don't get this. We're not going to get to see this kit in person unless anybody's going to an away game anytime soon. But I know I'm not. Jordan, are you taking the trip down to Nashville for opening day? I'm not going down for the opening day, but I'll, I'll definitely make a few ways this year. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm definitely excited to see. I mean, I'm 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 thinking that we're probably going to be rocking it for that for opening day against Nashville. We're we're the away team. I'm probably going to be wearing it because um, orange and most yellow. likely because orange and yellow. Is orange like and yellow don't really go too well together, so I'm assuming we'll be wearing this. Uh, all right, so moving on from the kit, um, let's uh, let's get down to uh, brass tacks and and get and dive deep into uh, one of the main reasons why Jordan. Uh, is uh, is featuring on on a on our on our podcast for, for this episode. And that's to uh, kind of break down the news that broke. Was it was it last week or the week before? Um, the news that broke around Manchester City's uh, dealings uh, and uh, potential misdealings and illegal happenings and potential ramifications that 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 might have on New York City Football Club. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I know it is big news in terms of Man City, um, but at the same time, it's also, like, not massive news in terms of, I don't know how much is going to, quote-unquote, change. Um, I think there will be some repercussions, definitely, for CFG and for City Football Group. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're talking about, you know, organizations that, you know, it's not really a secret that these things have been going on. It's just that they happen to be the one called up. I mean, you know, Chelsea does the same thing. Manchester United does the same thing. They happen to be the ones that are kind of at the forefront of this. And not only just does it happen, you know, in their own individual club at Man City, but because they have this network that's, you know, going across multiple continents, you know, that's really, um, you know, helping not just the organization like CFG, but teams like NYCFC, you know, teams like, you know, the Australian ones, teams like all of these all around the world, and that's where I think, you know, we're going to see a little bit of a shift in some of that stuff. Now, I think there was a shift already coming. Um, I've kind of been pretty vocal on Twitter, like, you know, CFG has got this stadium deal done. And not that they're putting it to the side, but like, you know, they achieved their massive goal. They're getting, you know, their kind of flowers when it comes to that. I think they've kind of like, all right, we did what we needed to do over there. You know, they're prepping for a massive, massive opening for the stadium, not just in terms of like, you know, the, the stadium itself, but in terms of like having a team that can be looked at and noticed on a worldwide level. The one thing that New York City, you know, as a city, you know, as a club, you know, as a part of MLS and then overall has over almost every club in the entire world is that it plays in the, you know, one of the, the largest cities in terms of, you know, people and, you know, um, support behind it. Um, they, they have so much potential being in a place like New York, that they really are ready to go. But at the same time, while you know these are multi-billion-dollar organizations, you know I do think that they've kind of not put it on the back burner, but they definitely see like, okay, we got it done. Let's make a massive, major push for the stadium deal. However, what this is going to do is it's going to really open up the inner workings of like how CFG and how NYCFC work in terms of finances, in terms of pipelines. I think you're going to see a lot of reveals of like how we get a player like Tati, how you get a Herrera or an Angelino here originally, how players like David Villa and players like Frank Lampard, especially Villa, 
signed before NYCFC even had a badge. Between they, before they even knew what the real name of it was, you know, these players knew that they were going to be a part of it. I think that's where you'll see some major news in terms of you know behind the scenes payments to a Bia, to a Lampard, to a Pirlo. Like, how do we get this done when really there wasn't even a mechanism to pay them yet at NYCFC? The issue is, or not the issue, the solution is the, the answer to that is that NYCFC is really not involved with some of those things. We already know the Lampard fiasco. I think that's going to be one that really is like, wow, I can't believe they did all that. You know, Lampard's supposed to sign here, supposed to come play here. He plays for Man City for another six months. And then comes here, we find out he actually signed with Man City. And like when that had happened, that was a really like weird, like, wait, I thought he was signing with NYCFC. Now it sounds like he signed with CFG. And I think that was kind of them like biting the bullet a little bit and like, you know, not wanting to reveal some of the inner workings that happened with that. Where it will impact NYCFC, I think, is just some of the decision process of like how they want to organize, you know, players and how they're going to send players over here. You know, obviously, you know, we really haven't had a contributing player actually from Man City you know, since Angelino and Herrera. Um, but when you talk about the network that goes behind it, not that they're going to be a little bit more weary, but I think it will just impact, at least for the next year or two, just how they operate and where they want. However, this is one of the most powerful organizations in the world in sports in soccer overall, and I don't really think it's going to change much in terms of NYCFC's approach, or even CFT's approach with NYCFC, but I do think the stadium and like how they want to handle you know, the next few years, that will impact a little bit more than, say, like there being repercussions. Like There will be no legal re repercussions in terms of like NYCFC losing you know, money or players or like draft picks from everything that I've heard, um, but I do think there could just be a little bit of a fundamental change um, you know, for CFG in terms of like where they throw money around and how they throw it. But they're also pretty arrogant. And I think that they know that, you know, legally they protected themselves. They know where they want to go with things. They know what they want to, you know, do in terms of the approach to NYCFC. And it'd be shocking to me if, you know, if somebody tries to stop them or if somebody is able to stop them. Now, have would, you heard would, would we lose the stadium? Uh, no, zero chance. Zero okay. chance. I mean, perfect, the perfect. stadium, the stadium, you know, we look at it like, oh, it's so great for NYCFC and like, oh, this is such a great moment. The stadium is an absolute goldmine in terms of money. And like, while yes, CFG you know, wants to support its soccer club, they're going to have the only soccer stadium in the city limits. They're going to have the only outdoor stadium of that side in the city limits. They're going to be able to sell you know, concerts. They're going to be able to sell you know, just extra tickets for games. You'll be able to watch you know, World Cup events there in the future. Like, this is, this is the money World Cup, World Cup qualifiers. All of those things. And, you know, we've seen the timeline of, like, what's going to happen in the next however many months in terms of, like, when they expect the stadium to open. You know, shout out to the outfield. They do such a great job. Shout out to Soup for, like, really getting behind the scenes into the nooks and crannies of how that kind of stuff works. Chris Campbell. Um, and I've seen, you know, those small, you know, those stories of that timeline come out. It would not shock me if, like, Maybe there won't be a soccer game played before that. But it would not shock me. I mean, they're going to be doing stadium tours. They're going to be having people in there early. They're going to do an event in there where you can, you know, pick your seat or things like that. They have, like, the full, true process that's been outlined for years at this point. It just didn't know where what it was going to be. Now that it's all settled out, they are ready to rock and roll. They're going to make so much money. They don't know what to do with it in terms of here. They are, like, super excited about this. And nothing is going to stop them from really elevating that to, you know, potentially the best stadium the best stadium experience, you know, potentially even the best team in the world. And that sounds crazy. But if you could have, you know, the 4 million people 
you know, the two million soccer fans, or at least soccer people who would watch soccer, attending this regularly. Like I said, there's no reason why I can't see them really throwing crazy money at one of those. You know, a Messi. I mean, obviously Miami's kind of all over that right now. But a Messi, a Ronaldo, a guy down the line that's going to just fill that stadium every single game for the next five to ten years. How much want to bet we win a Champions League before Man City? I mean, that would be special, and I think that would really make the, the way that they approach things, you know, change a little bit. Remember, New York City has the backing. Like, I've been to other countries and wore an NYCFC jersey, and I know that people don't really respect MLS like that, but they respect New York City, and that's the first thing that they'll jump on. Oh, you're from New York, what's that like? What's soccer like there? And then obviously, you know, what's the team like? So they know, like, they have a gold mine, and they're going to ride that pony as much as they get. Now, do you, do you firmly believe that NYCFC is going to wait to make a marquee signing until possibly the season of or the season before the stadium is unveiled? I could see them doing that before that, but in terms of like dropping the massive transfer fee, I really don't see that happening this year um, or even really necessarily next year. That put it out on Twitter. I think their approach is pretty obvious. They're going to load this team with young talent and guys that they really feel can exceed, unless like a gold mine player does fall into their lap somehow. You know, things obviously change and everybody thinks about soccer and scouting and like why players are signed. But, you know, agents and connections, those type of things are real. So unless a player really just truly falls into their lap, um, I think they're going to try and find out, like, who's the young core that we can really pull together that's going to be the transition group. And then I think, you know, that 2025, 2026, they're going to build momentum. They're going to be firing all cylinders. We'll see some massive names being signed, and we'll see them go after some really, like, young players that could be the potential stars for the future. You know, obviously the World Cup is like a massive, massive part of this. They recognize that the World Cup could be the opportunity to really explode MLS, and MLS knows that as well, but to really explode just the concept and the respect for soccer in the United States. I mean, you see what Messi just did in this last World Cup. If he can come here and be doing that in front of fans, you know, across the entire country, you know, from multiple cities, and then go into a World Cup final and put a performance like that, you know, Mbappe, all these guys, like, they could really, really change, they believe, the way that soccer is viewed here. And if that's the case, I mean, you're talking about exponential growth because, you know, there's a small market that's been tapped in terms of soccer fans originally, but not in terms of MLS fans. And if they can make that transition from soccer fans overall transitioning into MLS fans and to these support these local teams, I mean, like I said, you're just talking about exponential growth. Now, going back, uh, do you foresee... Um any uh, penalties for Man City? Um, like We're talking about point deduction, uh, relegation, transfer bans. Do you see anything of any, anything along those lines happening to Man City? I mean, yeah, I do. And I think you've seen all that stuff out. I mean, I'm, I, I have some great connections. I'm not you know, following the Man City side of it too much. I hear some things here and there. But in all reality, like, this is one of the most powerful organizations. They're not going to like kick out one of the greatest teams in the world in terms of all sports, and one of the most successful money-making teams. They need Man City. They need Man City to continue to do what it does. Again, I don't think they're on the same level as where Man City is right now. I mean, they did, but I don't see them like... They they, want to ride that pony. They want to ride all the concepts that come along with that. They want to... You know, they want, you know, Holland there. There's no chance that they're playing potentially the greatest player of all time. And that's not like a personal opinion. That's just like, could Holland go and be his form twice as many goals as anybody in the history, it's possible. They're not removing him from that. They, they're riding that moneymaker. They're riding the TV views. They know exactly what they're doing. I mean, they're going to have to, but 
But the answer, the real answer is that FIFA itself is having similar issues with corruption and all these type of things. They don't know what they're doing. And eventually, I think at some point, they'll try to figure it out or it'll just continue to be the Wild West and they'll have these like fake punishments that, you know, end up leading to really no major changes. I, I, think, I think it would genuinely cost the Premier League a whole lot of money if they were to kick out Manchester City. That's a that's a big brand that brings in a lot of money, um, especially with the new TV contracts that uh, I believe I believe they signed new TV contracts. Uh, the Premier League uh, here in the United States. Uh, that's a that's a massive fan base now, um, and it's and it's expected to be uh, and it should grow as more time comes in, uh, more time, and then you know the, you know you get a lot of young you know young viewers getting into soccer, and you know. Um, you know, perhaps their first ever soccer game they watch is a Man City win, and they become a Man City fan like that. Um, I think I think there's just too much money for the Premier League uh, for them to kick out uh, what is now a footballing giant like Man City. Um, I think uh, also I saw a video, but I'm not sure how um, reliable this is. But uh, some people at the top with like inner knowledge said there's a 70 to 30 percent chance that Man City gets away with it scot free, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not sure how reliable that is. Um, I'm actually doing, uh, I'm actually writing about this as a, as a project, um, for one of my college classes. It's like an audio project. So I'm actually covering the Man City stuff. Um, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully they, um, nothing too major happens, but I, I would, I would, uh, possibly think worst case scenario, they probably end up like Juventus in the Serie A, you know, with the 15 point deduction. Um, that's probably, uh, it's probably it. Or, or if not, probably like something like Derby County where they start off with like negative points, and you know every win they they uh, they get chips away from those negative points, and then eventually to get to like a positive pointage. Uh, I know Wayne Rooney before he came over to MLS to coach DC United. He was over there at Derby. He damn near kept them up as well. So um, yeah. yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. I mean, Pep is like foaming at the mouth. You can imagine like how thrilled and how like screw you to the world it would be if they get like a massive point deduction and then still go out and win. You know what I mean? Like they're they're thriving on this. They're almost not laughing at it, but they are kind of in some ways. Like, they're, they're not worried at all. You know, there's not going to be something of that major level, I don't think. Not, not also that. They also hired the, the same lawyer that defended them against UEFA a few years ago, uh, and, they, and they ended up winning that case. I think it was the same lawyer that uh, did the Brexit case as well. Um, so uh, so they know what uh, what they're getting with that lawyer. Um, also, they, 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 they won yesterday with them beating Arsenal away. You know, now that, now that uh, title race is wide open. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about um, like we haven't like uh, Jordan touched on it earlier. We have we haven't seen any uh, transfers or, or loans coming from Man City to help out New York City. Um, so I was just thinking along the lines of if something were to happen to Man City, like a major point deduction or God forbid a, a relegation down to the Championship. Could there potentially be some players being sent to uh, NYCFC to get some game time while they are working on getting promoted or working on working their way up the table? Um, do, do you guys, uh, Jordan, do you see any anything like that happen? Maybe some because we, like, we haven't seen a loan from Man City since I feel like since like seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, I'm mean, at the pipe dream. I think Man City is clearly and obviously kind of shifted how they want to approach those type of things um i don't really see that happening it could but i think you know and it's not it's unfortunate because you know you, you kind of think about it like oh you know it's almost like a minor league or it's always like a farm system 
But I mean, that is kind of what it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's like, if you're going to get a Tati, if you're going to get these awesome players, watch them develop and then move on, right? That's like a great thing for the league. It's a great thing for the team. It's just the issue is that people just, they don't want to feel like that. And, you know, I, I understand that sentiment. But again, it's like this team won a championship by living through that kind of approach. So, like, you know, embrace it a little bit. And again, once the stadium comes, I think you see the shift and the approach that goes, you know, tremendously different. And they, were, and they damn near came back to back. They were two wins away from, get, from getting back to back championships as well. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, is, is there anything else that we need to touch on in terms of uh, in terms of the Man City news and its potential uh, potential uh, happenings with New York City Football Club? I don't think so. I guess no. I, I don't think it's a bad thing um, in terms of you know Man City's relationship with New York City. They're just kind of waiting on all firing all cylinders, and you've seen what this organization CFG can do when they're ready to throw money around and go. I, I mean, think they're po- possibly a potential like punishment if they do if they were to be found guilty i think possibly even a transfer ban transfer ban or two but um i don't i ultimately see man city like getting away with it scott free or like you know kind of getting a slap on the wrist or, or just like having no punishment at all i think uh i just think uh that we'll, we'll be all right i don't i don't think no harsh punishments will come uh, our way so and i mean hey as long as the stadium's not affected in any way i think we'll be happy i mean if anything yeah, it's I, almost I, zero chance that the stadium is affected I just see this giving uh, fans of opposing teams in MLS uh, more reason to just talk shit and say that we're Man City light and CFG this, CFG that, blah, 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 oil money, yada, yada, yada. Um, They're jealous because they don't have the oil money, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, well. Moving on, uh, NYCFC had uh, the first game of its preseason tournament, not preseason in general, just the, uh, the Coachella Valley Invitational. Against St. Louis City, newcomer to MLS, still forming the roster and trying to gel. And we came out with a 3-3 draw um, in the Coachella against St. Louis City. Um, I hate calling them St. Louis City. I feel like there's too many cities in MLS. Especially because with, with their logo, it's St. Louis. Is and it, doesn't, it doesn't even roll off the tongue like a New York City. Huge. It doesn't even roll off the tongue like a New York City. Because St. New York City, that's like a natural they're like St. Louis City. You're kind of forcing it there. Yeah, I'm just for for the entirety of their time in MLS. I'm just gonna call them STL or St. Louis. Not, not call. They're not city. They're not. They're not city. They don't deserve that shit. We're, we're the only city. We're the real city. Yeah. So pretty much how the game went. Uh, pretty early on in the game, uh, we conceded a goal. Uh, Luis Barraza started a net with Kevin Tool uh, O'Toole on the left. Uh, uh, Maxime Cheneau at left center back. Tiago Martins at right center back and Tavon Gray at right back with the midfield of Alfredo Morales at the six, uh, Keaton Parks and Justin Hack at the, uh, I guess like dual eights or uh, just that, that's how the midfield was with the, with Parks, Hack and Alfredo. And then uh, left wing was Tiago Andrade, uh, Talis Magno at the nine and Jason at right wing again. Um, how do we feel about that lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think they're just, again, trying to find the pieces. Um, you hear about some of these potential players coming in. They're obviously still missing some of those players that may return, a Santi, a GP, all those type of guys. Um, but, you know, in general, I mean, you know, they've been pretty open in, in terms of taking some of these younger American players and giving them chances. Um, I don't know if O'Toole is going to be the start of this year. 
You know, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I think Gray is going to almost definitely be the star at this point. Um, you know, obviously you have Key in the middle. Um, I do think that there has been a little bit of a shift in terms of, and maybe it's because of like Reyna's situation or Sands, you know, situation. But I do think that there are, you know, a conscious effort to kind of find some of that talent here in the States and kind of blend that over the next few years. I think they do realize if we're going to have a stadium, we probably should have Americans and some people that at least can be supported by, by some of those things as well. Yeah, and to piggyback off of the, uh, the the hype and excitement from the World Cup, um, having Americans in the squad who are fringe or even some national team players is definitely a good thing. Not that we have any at the moment because we lost our only national team player because the uh, snake decided to go uh, up north to, uh, to uh, Rome, Toronto, uh, to play for Toronto FC. Um, Fuck you, Drake. And uh, th- that leads me to... Uh, Luis Barraza starting in the net um, against St. Louis City conceded a goal, uh, and a little bit worrisome is the fact that this goal um, occurred early in the game and was from outside the 18, um, and was not a terrifically hit shot, but it was good enough, had enough pace on it to beat him to the goalkeeper's right from outside the 18. Um, I went back and watched the video; it looked like Hack and Parks were a little bit late to step out to the player who uh, who scored. Um, the ball was just kind of a, a square ball from the from the sideline to the middle, and he took a touch and just had to go, and they didn't step in time. And next thing you know, it's one zero. Uh, and then um, shortly after that, in the first half, uh, uh, on a counter attack, the ball got played from uh, the right to the left on a fast break, uh, and the ball kind of uh, it was it was rolling towards the corner of the of the box towards the uh, towards the touch line. And uh, Tavon Gray just kind of went in a little bit too hard into the tackle and uh, didn't get ball. And next thing you know, PK. Uh, and we, I mean, Jordan, I don't know if you saw the uh, the last preseason game where Matt Freeze came up huge at the end of a match against mm-hmm. against the Galaxy to uh, to make a PK save. Um, but Barraza was not up to it. Um, guess the not guess because goalkeeping is not about guessing when you're when you're going against PK. There's a lot that goes into the the approach of the kick. And the, the way the hips are positioned at the moment of the kick, and he just went the wrong way. Uh, next thing you know, it was 2-0. Did you get a chance to watch the LA, LA Galaxy game, uh, or watch the highlights of the LA Galaxy game, Jordan? Yeah, I've seen the highlights for sure, yeah. I haven't really been following too much of the preseason uh, live, but definitely been following after. Yeah, so we're down 2-0, uh, and uh, things are not looking good against the, and And by the way, so this is against a St. Louis team that had gotten beaten 4-1 uh, by the Galaxy last week. So I mean, we we come off a win against the Galaxy, and then now we're next thing you know we're down two zero to an expansion side, um, who the roster really isn't overly impressive. Uh, they, they, I mean, they have an uh, an old keeper in Roman Berkey, former Dortmund Dortmund player. But I don't think he started in this game, um, and then just like a bunch of like fringe Americans like Nicholas Giacchini and uh, Indiana Vasilev and. Uh, uh, Tim Parker is over there, former Red Bull player. I mean, they really don't have a, a super impressive roster. We're down, we're down two zero. Uh, before we find a way to get one back, uh, where um, Jason, uh, Jason taking a free kick from like, I want to say it was from like forty something, 30 ish 30, yards at, away um, on the right hand side. Jason serving the ball in uh, to a cluster. Uh, oh, actually, no, that that was this. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Jason served it into a cluster. Chano finds a way to get his head on it to the back to the now from Chano's position to the back post. 
Parks keeps it alive. I don't know. Like I, I, I watched the thing in replay. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how he managed to keep this alive and in bounds. Keeps it alive. Squares the ball right to the middle of the. Um, the keeper was diving when Parks um, kept it alive. He dove into his own net, and then uh, Parks squares it across to the middle of the net, and then Tiago Martins just happens to be standing there unmarked with no one near him, and he just taps it into the net. So now we're at two one. So Tiago Martins, uh, that, I think I believe that's Tiago. Is that Tiago Martins first? I mean, I know it's not an official goal because it's not regular season, but um, he doesn't score very often. He's not. He's not Alexander Collins. Um, so yeah, so we're at two one. Um, and then pretty quickly after that, we we uh, find a way to draw a level off of a corner yeah. kick. Just to add that, I think I saw someone that's his first goal like ever. <laughs> yeah, so, I think uh, so, yeah. So off a corner kick. Uh, uh, so a lot of these things are new because like obviously uh, last year and the previous seasons uh, with having Maxi Morales, Maxi Morales almost always took corner kicks um, because it's pretty smart to have your shortest player not trying to win a ball on a, on a set piece. Um, so we, we have new corner kick takers. Um, also, when Jesus, uh, when Jesus Medina was here, um, Jesus took a lot of corner kicks. Um, so now we kind of have new people in new positions doing new things. So uh, Matias Pellegrini, uh, with his left foot, served in a corner kick. Uh, Parks got a uh, flick on it. Um, uh, Big Bird uh, got, got, got his head on it. And then crashing the back post was Tiago Martins, who got a head on it. It went off the crossbar, bounced off the ground. And then he, like, aggressively shouldered the ball into the net. It ended, it ended up going to, like, I guess the preseason version of VAR. Um, and the goal was upheld. So we're at 2-2. Um, clawing and, and scratching our way back into the game. And then uh, in the 80, like, seventh minute, uh, we're on a fast break. Uh, Talis Magno plays the ball to Thiago Andrade down the left down the left wing. Um, he squares the ball to... Uh, to uh, Matias Pellegrini, who at the time was playing the 10. He was playing a central position. Uh, Pellegrini slots it over to Gabi on the right wing. Gabi takes a touch, goes uh, takes a touch towards the middle of the field, and then just curls uh, a ball effort um, effortlessly into the uh, left side side netting. Um, and that was in the 87th minute. So, I mean, you kind of think that if you're in the 87th minute and you score a goal to go up 3-2 that you should be able to kind of get out of there with a win. But this is NYCFC 4.0 or whatever we're at right now in preseason with a makeshift roster and people coming and going and uh, pretty much at the death at the 90th minute, uh, St. Louis is on a uh, uh, an attack and they kind of just walk right through our defense in the 90th minute. Like, and I'm talking like our, our senior players, like walking through Cheneau and Tiago Martins and, and Parks and Alfredo, like just walking through them. And then slotting a ball to the far post. I, um, based on the video, I couldn't tell who was in goal in the second half. I don't know if Matt Fries came in in the second half at any point, or if it was Barraza that conceded all three. But uh, I mean, to me, it definitely is a little bit uh, a little bit worrying that uh, that we are uh, conceding uh, goals at the clip that we are, um, because I mean. Uh, we're not we're not scoring a lot of goals from the run of play at the moment. We can't and uh, once that uh, once that set piece well runs dry, that you kind of have to you kind of have to score goals from the run of play. Um, I know that we uh, in the past few years we jokingly had that uh, the chant uh, behind the net where Jordan sits. Uh, we never score on a corner score because <laughs> we we used to not score on corner kicks like at all. Um, but uh, I mean, it's just like it's you want to build confidence going into Nashville uh, day one, 
And we've we've won a couple of preseason games. Now this is like our I think this is like our second draw. Um, and this is a draw that feels like a loss because if you score if you score a goal in the eighty seventh minute, you you should be able to get out of there with a dub and lift and just get out of there, just get out of there with a win and just shut it down. Um, and and I, I can understand if we have like the NYCFC two guys out there, but this is this was the first teamers out there and they just walked right through us and, and got the equalizer like that. And that's kinda a little bit worrying. Um, how do you guys feel? I mean, I, I know that some people are in the firmly in the camp that preseason results don't matter, but uh, but I, I'm firmly in the camp that losing and winning are uh, contagious, and that if you uh, draw and lose too much, it becomes part of your mindset, and, and it, it becomes a, a, a bad way of a, it becomes harder to get dig yourself out of that hole. Um, how do you guys feel about the result um, and the way the team played? Yeah, I think there's some truth to what you said. I mean, at the end of the day. You do have first-team players out there. Um, you know, Freeze not being in goal, especially early, I think is a major impact. You know, he's going to be the clear guy, I think, at this point. Um, but, you know, something tells me that, you know, we hear all these rumors of other guys coming, that they're kind of waiting on something, you know, whether it's, you know, one of these signings that come through or someone else, um, that they just don't have the pieces. The other part of it is, yeah, I mean, I said it a few times, but there's also not some hero coming. And, like, this is a group that I said I think is going to grow. They're going to give Cushing. Remember, Cushing is kind of a developing coach. You know, he's obviously been around the team. You know, I don't think he managed some of the issues that they had last year well. But what I think he can do is help other people grow. And I think they're really going to make an effort to give these young guys a chance and roll with it. You know, you're two years removed from a championship. You have a stadium coming in two, three, four years, right? I mean, you know, deal with it is a little bit of that. This is not necessarily going to be the power team. But I do think that they do have potential to go and make a playoff run, especially the way, you know, that MLS playoffs work. I know it might be a little bit different this year. We haven't found all that out. But, you know, I, I don't think that this is, you know, not to say that you're not going to win a championship, but, like, you know, this is going to be a growth year for some players and, you know, especially some of those younger players. However, Santi, these guys come back, you know, they're in the kind of their prime or at least what they believe is going to be, you know, close to their prime of the years. You know, there's no reason this group can't grow. So it's a preseason game. Obviously, you don't necessarily know what's going on, you know, when you're watching highlights and stuff. Um, I, I just, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I, I, I would really like to see, you know, what that team looks like, you know, this weekend going into the last regular season game. That's going to be the game I think that really establishes. And you can start to worry if that doesn't go well. Yeah, um, and then we um, uh, today actually we had a. Uh, I mean, it wasn't really announced, but there was a. Um, it seems like every week now, uh, NYCFC is at least making an attempt to have an official press conference with players available as well as uh, Nick Cushing. Um, and one of the things that Nick Cushing touched on in the press conference uh, was that he's definitely leaning on the uh, quote unquote senior leadership of of certain players, and the players that he named in particular were. Uh, Tiago Martins, uh, Maxime Schneau, and Alfredo Morales. Um, and, I mean, I, I definitely agree with uh, the Schneau thing. Obviously, Schneau is, is the uh, – he hasn't been named it officially yet, but, I mean, we're all assuming that he's going to be the captain. Um, he deserves it. He's been here uh, a long time. New York is in his blood. Um, and he bleeds I, – I firmly believe that he's in the camp that he would bleed for this club, bleed for the badge. Um, Alfredo Morales um, is relatively new. He's been here for a couple seasons now, but he's definitely someone that, um, with him being an, an American that spent most of his career abroad, um, with him coming here, I feel like he's bought into New York City immediately, like it, the right way immediately. Um, the one that I'm kind of questioning a little bit is is the his inclusion of Tiago Martins. Uh, Tiago Martins just he, he's been here for 
He's been here for a cup of tea. He just got here. Um, like, and he's, I mean, he just got, like, it took him, it took him the entire season last year to get adjusted to MLS. Um, and I, like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I guess because of his advanced age that, um, that he, that Nick Cushing sees him as a senior leader and a, like a potential vice captain of this team. But like, I, I just, I don't understand how someone who's been here for like, I think we did, I think he just literally had his anniversary of one year being with the club. Like he just got here. Like you, like you don't. Yeah, but I believe he came in at some point in mid-February last last. Yeah, season. like he, like he's been here for a year. Like, how could you? Like, I don't understand how you can, how you can put yourself in that conversation of being captainship, vice captainship, senior leader on the team when you just freaking got here. And on top of that, his first few months here were awful, so bad, so so bad. His first few months here. Um, I mean, I guess, and I guess he sees an opening because when you look at the roster. And the way it's constructed, and, and us having a lot of young players, and get pretty much got get, we got rid of not either got rid of by choice or got rid of by just saying sayonara, not we're not renewing you. Um, we got rid of a lot of the players who have been around for a little while. Um, but it's just it's just a, it's hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that he sees uh, Tiago Martins as a senior leader in this club. What do you how do you guys feel about the about, about the names that he named? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Perhaps behind the scenes, it does have some leadership in the locker room that we just never seen, and he's probably growing into, uh, probably just grew into it as uh, as he got adjusted to the league and uh, going forward. Um, you know, you never know with these uh, kind of things. Uh, perhaps Nick Cushing actually does see some leadership behind him, uh, behind the scenes, where we don't really know anything. Uh, but yeah, that that is a. Uh, that is extraordinary that he's considered a vice captain uh, with just one season being in MLS. Yeah, I'm always a little weary. We, you know, the one thing I've learned about being about or around teams and like getting a chance to be in some organizations, you don't know what goes on in practice. You don't know what goes on in terms of like you know the behind the scenes stuff. You know, I, I would just trust them at this point if, if they feel like he's a leader. You know, another thing is too is you know some guys come in and they just got that swag. You know, they have a really young team. You know, I think Parks is a guy that, like, you know, would have been a captain if he didn't have this, you know, health issue going on and stuff, too. So you really are looking for leadership. And if the guy comes in and proves that he you know, has that swag and can lead, then absolutely, why not? I, I always kind of reserve judgments until you actually get to see the stuff on the field before, you know, trying to judge, you know, decisions, um, you know, especially in the preseason. Yeah, and... uh Another player that was uh, was welcomed back this week after last week we, we were playing a game of where in the world is Gabriel Pereira because um, he was in uh, Brazil and then he was in uh, Texas and then he was in, <laughs> and then he finally made it to Palm Springs in time for this match and then uh, he I think he only got like a 15 20 minute cameo at the end but uh, all I gotta say is uh, let my man cook uh, he comes on for 10 15 minutes and he scores a pretty High class quality goal, um, and I do believe that if I had to pick a player who is most poised to have a breakout season, I would wholeheartedly choose Gabriel Pereira over Talis Magno. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, if, oh, you, yeah, you, you, you first, you first. Yeah, over Talis, I don't know. I mean, Talis, as I said, it's interesting to see his journey because he goes from like this young star like x factors and now the guy that's being relied on i think we probably see them both um but again it's like we're not there in practice 
You know, they like GP. He comes in and scores in this game. If they like GP on that kind of level, I think he starts no matter what. But what the rotation is going to look like, you know, Cushing has shown that he is, you know, he'll give guys chances. He'll give guys maybe a little bit too long of a leash at times. So, I mean, I could see him, you know, sticking with Talos. Talos, you know, Magno is a guy that's, you know, worldwide kind of known at this point. Not necessarily at the highest level, but, like, he's a guy that people are keeping an eye on. Obviously, he was listed as one of those top guys in the MLS, you know, under 20, uh, and so on and so forth. So, I think we see them both, honestly. Uh, it, would be, it would shock me to not see them both. Yeah, so C- Cushing touched on... Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, got, uh, Davi, what do, you, what do you got? Give me something. Give me some, give me some hot shit. Uh, I, I, I could agree with you. Uh, Pereira, uh, you know, he just... I think this is his first game back with the, with the team after he's getting his visa back, so... Uh, for him to uh, come off the bench, uh, get some time, and you know to score the what supposedly was going to be the winner up until like sixty seconds later when he let in the goal. Um, I think I think it's very important. It's very great to see a player like him. You know, uh, having been stuck in Brazil for uh, for I don't know like seven eight weeks. Um, you know, not not being able to train with the with the first team over here, uh, and, and you know having some interest from Bahia. And thankfully, we don't have to deal with. Um, a situation where we have to load him out and then get him back or, or you know, lose him on a permanent deal. Um, I think that's good uh, for us. Uh, he could definitely be another one of our pretty good stars. I've, I've said it all summer long. Um, uh, Joe, you, you, you were in the Twitter spaces where we just completely bitched about this whole team, how like they're so poor. Uh, they were playing post-Tati with Cushing at the helm. Uh, GP was our best attacker after Tati left uh, to go to Girona. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually breaks out, but I wouldn't be surprised if Talos Bagno breaks out either. Um, I actually backed him to have a to have a uh, breakout season, but you know, with, with you know, with the game just uh, just gone by with St. Louis City, uh, and I just saw the highlights before the show. Uh, you know, obviously with the the six, um, the header at the top of the six. You know, not having that not gone in, um, I think it's a bit concerning that our center back, like Thiago Martins, is scoring more goals than. Uh, Talos Magno in preseason. Now, yes, I know it's still preseason, but so it's a, it's a little bit of a concerning sign if you want to go with this guy at the number nine. But I'm going to go ahead and say Talos Magno has a breakout season. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Pereira says uh, has one either. But I, I think I think both can genuinely have a great season this year. Yeah. So um, Nick Cushing uh, in the in the presser today uh, admitted that uh, with. Looking for he is him and the team are looking towards the season opener at Nashville. Even with this game against Portland, this the the last game of the Coachella against Portland on Saturday. Um, but they do they are starting to look towards uh, the season opener. Um, so I'm assuming that the lineup and player selection that we see against Nashville or not sorry against Portland is gonna is gonna kind of be just about what we're gonna see against Nashville on match day number one on February 25th. Um, with that being said, we, we, uh, the, I mean, we are, I think we're, we're still awaiting for, uh, Brian Kufre's, uh, arrival, whether, the, whether that arrival is, he posted, he posted a picture of himself on a plane on Instagram and said, okay. uh, but, but we don't know soon to the United States. We don't know whether that arrival is going to be to Palm, Palm Springs, California to play, to meet with the team, or if that arrival is directly to New York and he'll, or, or directly to Nashville or wherever the hell they're going after Palm I think, Springs. um, I think if it's still up, I could see it. But um, I believe he he used a um, he used a Statue of Liberty emoji. So I'm guessing he's going to New York just okay. to so that sign that, the contract. So that means that, the, that means that the team is going to come back to New York and train before they go to Nashville for the game. 
All right, yeah, his uh, his story's not up, but uh, I do believe that he'll be going to New York to sign the contract and to get the photo shoot with the new kid and everything. So just Nick, like just like a lineage. Yeah. So Nick Cushing did come out and say that we, we want to be competitive from the first game, and if you look at our preseason friendlies, we've been competitive and dominated games for long periods. I agree that based on the the video, the limited video that we've seen due to Apple Plus jerk offs not letting us watch any preseason games. Um, which is a great way to go to the league, by the way. Yeah, let's not let's not let the diehards watch their actual team until match day number one. That's that's a phenomenal idea. Great job, Apple. Um, but um, I, I do believe that we have been dominating, but it's just it's about the production at this point because uh, this preseason, Talis Magno has only scored a penalty kick, I believe, um, in like the first match, of, the first preseason match uh, friendly. He I think he scored a PK, but other than that, he has not scored from the run of play. Um, so that's not a good sign going into the start of the regular season with our projected number nine. And every time I listen to a podcast, all everybody wants to talk, talk about is Talos Magno, Talos Magno, highest projected value of any striker or any player, young player, any player in MLS period. But the production does not seem to meet the potential. I mean, that's the problem I have with Talos. I'm, I'm going back and watching these replays from St. Louis City, and if you go back and look at our at our Twitter, and, and I tweeted out some of the videos with some with some commentary, Talos has a lot of problems with like a, I guess like overconfidence in his abilities because he routinely is dribbling into double teams and triple teams and just losing the ball very easily. Like I, I mean, I realize for for every time that he does some saucy shit where he like makes someone look stupid and nutmegs somebody and like has like this highlight reel dribble or pass or something. For every one of those, there's three moments where I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like, get rid of the ball. Like, stop doing, stop dancing around and, and getting little fancy touches on the shit and just play fucking simple. Get rid of the ball, move the ball forward, get forward, get into a scoring position. And I just get so frustrated watching Or sometimes when he is in that scoring position, he, he fluffs his lines. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, that, that header. Like, obviously, like, like, Tati buries that shit. Tati buries that shit. He's, he's lethal in the air. That's a yeah, fucking like, goal. That's, that's does, going does, in the top does, corner. Does Tati better that year one or year two? Did you watch the replay? It's it's he's on the t- he's at the top of the six yard box with no pressure on him. Perfect service from Tiago and Draj. With Tati, that that's flying in top and corner. And he heads the, the ball a little bit off centered, and the goalkeeper makes it pretty routine. I mean, obviously goalkeepers like to make it look a little flary, so he fucking jumps and does a diving I, save. I'm I'm truly looking forward to Talos' ten goals in the first ten games. All right, so here's and you guys go. Ahead no, here's a hot here's a hot take. I I I firmly believe that we that NYCFC are going to have two double digit goal scorers, and they are. Yeah. It is going to be Talos Magno and Gabriel Pereira. But Gabby is going to outscore Talos this year. Okay. What, what are we thinking ratio-wise? What are we thinking? Ratio. I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking Gabby scores between 14 and 18 goals, all competitions. And I'm thinking he also chips in like, like 6 to 10 assists. What about Talos? Talos? Talos, I'm, I'm going on the lower end of goals. I, th- I think he's going to score like ten to thirteen, and I and I I I just I don't see like Talos just doesn't pass the ball. He fucking dribbles and like I can see him like scoring ten to thirteen goals and having like like three to five assists. Okay, all right. So you think uh, Pereira will be the most? Uh, 
Yeah, I think I think I think goal contributions, goals plus assists. I, I think Pereira beats Talos Magno this year. That, Honestly, that I, could, I could see I could see it go either way. I could, I could but right now I, I I definitely agree with you. I definitely see Pereira uh, getting more goals and assists than Talos Magno at the moment. Jordan, what do you think? I don't know who's going to get more. I think they're going to both very well, you know, be featured. Um, I'm not sure who's going to get more. I really haven't seen enough of, you know, GP to say what he's going to be. Um, again, the thing to me is that, you know, because he showed that he's pretty loyal to guys. Um, so I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you know, we continue to roll with Talos. But at the end of the day, I just agree with you. I think we're going to have two double-digit double goal scorers. And I think we're going to, you know, that's going to be the feature. It's going to be get the ball to these two studs up top and let them work. So here's a message from Nick Cushing directly. My message to the fans. We want your support. We want to be a team that excites the fans this year. We want to play football. Um, and then now let's let's parlay that into uh, incoming players. Uh, so, I mean, it was rumored last week that Santiago Rodriguez um, is returning to New York City on a long-term deal purchase from Montevideo City Torque. Um, there's also been some, um, some social media rumors about the reasons behind him returning to New York city, because he, I mean, if you guys remember on Instagram, he, he, he shared out his farewell in New York. My time in MLS has come to an end, blah, blah, blah. Like it made it look like he was gone, gone. Like he was, he was, he was gone. Like, and I think, so I think he kind thought, of, kind of I think he thought Brady he was gone. Ass. Kind of pulls a Tom Brady out of his ass. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, and I think, and he, I mean, obviously, like when like he only left for a little while, but he was already kind of throwing shade at MLS, saying like, oh, in in uh, in, in, uh, in the United States, it's hard to, it's hard to watch like um, get MLS games on on TV. It's hard for my family back in Uruguay to to watch my games in the states. And I mean, I, I've been seeing some rumors floating around on social media that one of the main reasons why he decided to rejoin and and, and, and sign a long-term contract with New York City is because of this Apple Plus deal, with Apple Plus being uh, widely available um, all over the world, so that I, so that he can get um, he can get more looks from Europe. Because I guess I mean I think I guess he's thinking that some more European clubs will have easier access to watch MLS, but also because his family back home is is going to be more um, more easily able to to view his games. What do you guys think about? Uh, I mean, do you do you think this is going through? I mean, we haven't heard any official announcement yet. Everything's been kind of radio silent, um, other than uh, see whatever Merlot on uh, on Twitter saying, pretty much tweeting out saying that it was a done deal and he's come back and he has to come and do his medical with the, with the with the club. Uh, Jordan, have you heard anything uh, about? I I haven't heard anything specifically about him. You know, I, I try to stay away from the kind of rumors and the you know who's coming things except for very rare scenarios one of them being pretty recently um you know it would not shock me a lot of the times these rumors come from agents or from people that are involved with these people it would not shock me if this is a little bit of a ploy to kind of be like you know oh you know if you don't sign him if you don't give him his money he's losing and coming back i haven't heard anything when the team makes the announcement i'll, I'll believe it then um you know obviously like you said my lower team is very on point um so it's probably happening I just, you know, I, I would reserve in that can, in that sense to uh, to wait until I see it actually happen. Yeah, and then um, so I mean, Santi coming back that definitely, um, if he if it is true and it is confirmed, that definitely changes the complexion of New York City Football Club's f a season. Um, he's a, he's a season changer because obviously at, at the moment with Maxi gone, we don't have a ten. Um, not that a ten is needed in modern football. You can get away without get away without playing with a ten. 
Um, but in the way New York City uh, Football Club has played the that's, basketball that's season, are the pity for the past years. Yeah, so Maxim Rouse has been the the maestro and and the and the string puller um, in the midfield for the past couple of years. So um, we all kind of saw uh, when Santi came in, he it looked like he was kind of the the heir to the position. But I mean, I mean, I think people are kind of uh, forgetting about the turbulence that we had last year with with Maxi and Santi, and Santi's kind of. Uh, Petulant and diminutive, his fiery uh, side behavior, uh, attitude. Um, so I mean, now with uh, with the old guard g- gone, um, these uh, the, the the young the young boys um, and the youth are kind of more prevalent with the club, and I, I think Santi can kind of fit in and and, and kind of lead uh, these guys. Um, I do foresee him kind of catapulting off of his production last season. Um, I don't see Santi as a goal scorer. Um, Santi's finishing is actually pretty fucking awful um, last season. But he is a pretty good setup man. Um, he does serve in a pretty good ball. Um, his passing is is advanced and it's uh, above average. Um, the, another thing that kind of uh, it inhibits his abilities, though, is kind of the same thing that inhibits Talos Magno's abilities, in my opinion, is that Santi likes to dribble, and I think he has a, a little bit of an inflated sense of self-skill, self-ability, and he tends to dribble himself into trouble and get the ball taken off his foot, um, which kind of ruins some of our attacks. Um, so, but, but I do foresee him having, if, if he can gel with these South American uh, attackers that we have, I, I, I do foresee him having a potentially record-setting year not maybe not MLS wise, but definitely club. I mean, I, I think he can uh, potentially push for that uh, for Ma- uh, Maxi's club record for assists in a season. Break break the twenty assist mark. Yeah, I, I definitely think that he could push push to break that. Um, and if he, and, and, and if he's up there in assists, do you think, do you think he, he could get close to Valderrama's twenty six assists? I don't know. I mean, if if he if he's pushing twenty assists and, and breaks Maxi's record, he, I mean, he's a surefire uh, surefire MLS All Star. You kind of you kind of can't deny that. Um, but if he's, if the only way he's getting the assist though is, is, is if our, is if the people he's passing to are finishing their fucking opportunities. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. When you're talking about records, you know, this team may not be towards the top of the table for the majority of the season. Uh, you do need the goal scorers around them to, to kind of achieve that. Yeah. Cause he can put people in good positions, but it really is. It's about those the people up top that get, are yeah, getting the, for ball, half the, putting the ball last back year, in had, For half the season last year, he had a lethal top to Castellanos. Yeah. Yeah, and then and now we're dealing with a uh, transitional nine left winger nine and Talos Magno. Gab- Gabby's going to get his goals. Club. Gab- Gabby's Gabby's going to cook. Gabby's going to get his goals. Um, playing I could, I could definitely right see the club. Uh, I could definitely see the club go and go out and get a number nine in the summer if Talos Magno doesn't work out. Uh, and say like we we desperately need a, a nine in that department. I could de- I could definitely see MLCFC going out and getting a striker just to you know. Kind of put fire under Talos Magdon, you know, um, you know, try to see like, hey, like, hey, if you don't, if you don't start putting in these goals in the back of the night, um, we're gonna, we're gonna have to bench you. We're gonna replace you with this guy that we just came in. You know, kind of give him a little bit of competition. You know, or, or you never know. Maybe, maybe even have a switch of formation. Play with two strikers up top and have Talos play as one striker, and then the other guy, you know, kind of has that finisher, and Talos Magdon kind of plays as the second striker a little bit deeper. Um, you never know, but. Uh, I could, I could. Uh, all I hope is uh, Thomas Magno gets his, uh, he gets his shooting boots together. Yeah, 
And as of the time of this recording, um, there was some news that broke tonight. I don't know. I, I can't figure out who it was, but um, I did see that um, all signs seem to be pointing towards us uh, receiving a, a loan of uh, American uh, American Ten slash Ledesma. Richie Ledesma, from who, was, who was not in the on the on the squad for the Europa League game today. Yeah, um, and also, but uh, the news came out that he uh, that he renewed his contract with PSV and extended it until 2025, I believe, or 2026, 2025, 2026. Yeah, summer of 2025. Yeah, and um, so uh, along with the extension of that contract, um, he it looks like he will be loaned out to New York City Football Club for the entirety of the 2023 season. Um, now, with that... We will. Um, New York City Football Club will probably be having to send some Garber Bucks over to Real Salt Lake because they do own his MLS rights. He started out in their academy playing for the Real Monarchs um, back in 1718, I believe. Uh, so uh, pretty much last week we were without a 10, or we were, we were with a half of a 10, Maximo Carismo, Carrizo, um, 14-year-old uh, central attacking midfielder for the uh, NYCFC 2. Um, and then now, well, took pictures with the with the new kit. Hopefully, by the end of this week or middle of last week, uh, or middle of next week, rather. Um, hopefully, we will have uh, two two senior level tens um, getting ready to play uh, against Nashville. Um, and yes, and actually, so along to along what you're saying, um, the, the the players released their on their Instagrams. They released their pictures with the, with the kits. And I thought it was kind of interesting that uh, so Ma- Maximo was uh, was in the in in the uh, senior team kit, as well as. Dennis. Uh, Dennis was also in it as well. Um, and then, uh, I, I actually, I, was uh, was Andrew Turnbull in there as well? I believe so. All right. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, hopefully if, if Ledesma is if Ledesma's coming, um, then that's definitely going to boost our boost our attack and boost our depth. De- depth is a, is, is a serious issue in our central mid- attacking midfield right now and just our central midfield in general. Um, so having those two players join us definitely alters the trajectory of our 2023 season. Um, just to kind of uh, put a bow on this, uh, let's uh, let's um, let's talk a little uh, just briefly about um, what a what a what goalkeeper we envision uh, being between the between the sticks uh, on uh, February 25th against Nashville. It's got to be Priest, right? I mean, he is obviously an MLS caliber goalkeeper. You know, he has a big save in the preseason. But this is a guy that's kind of stopped NYCFC in the past from achieving their goals. So I think that was a big part of the reason why they ended up, you know, taking him. Uh, I, I would be shocked if it's anybody other than Priest unless he's injured. Actually, no, you're wrong. We actually uh, destroyed him on our way to, to the cup. We actually tossed Mega Thunk that, that one year. For sure, yeah. For sure. Uh... It's it's tough. I mean, like, like it's no secret. I'm not. I'm not team. I'm. It's not Barraza season. Like, I, I'm not team Barraza. I mean, I, I don't. He definitely conceded two. I don't know if he conceded. That. I don't know if he was in goal for that third goal. Um. Just it's, it's really a money thing. Like I, I just I, I can't see a world where we where we sent that much money to Philadelphia, to have Freeze just be a number two, and he didn't come here to be a number two. Um, he came here with every every intention of winning this starting spot, um, and, I, and just I mean 
I know the argument. I mean, I know I, I listen to all the other podcasts, NYCC podcasts on uh, Blue City, uh, Dudes in Blue, um, City Boys. I listen to all of them, Post 90. Um, and like one of the common talking points is that Baraz is good with his feet. Baraz is good with his feet. He's, his distribution is, is, is better um, because he's been in the system, in the New York City system. Um, his distribution is good. His feet are good. Blah blah blah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm firmly in the uh, belief that a goalkeeper's primary responsibility is shot stopping and to keep the fucking ball out of the net. And uh, Barraza has not proven that he can do that consistently in his spot duty last year. Other than the Campione's Cup, where he played with a pretty good front line in front of him, he hasn't really shown that he he can be an elite shot stopper. And that he can keep uh, shutouts, uh, and especially with now the new look defense that we have, with no true left-footed left center back. Because if Tony Alfaro is starting, then we're up Shit's Creek. Um, so, and then and just based on these preseason games, I don't I don't think we've kept a uh, kept a clean. Have we kept a clean sheet in preseason yet? Maybe one. Maybe have we kept one clean sheet? Can't recall. I mean, I great. I mean, and then the one goal that we conceded against the Galaxy was. That was Chino's fuck up. But. Yeah, yeah, that purely bosses Chino. But I mean, I, I mean, based on the comments from Nick Cushing, he said that it's it, that it's going to be a competition that he, he hasn't made up his, his mind yet on who's starting in in in, in Jordan. Jordan said it. Uh, Nick Cushing just uh, does like to show faith to his guys and like kind of shows loyalty to his guys. So I, I have a feeling that Barraza will definitely be the starter uh, in Game One against Nashville, but. Um, I do think that that'll change over the course of the season. You know, Barraza doesn't start like performing, or or if he doesn't solidify his place, you know, he slips up here and there. You could potentially see Breeze in goal. Um, I mean, to be honest, to to me, like uh, uh, I could I could see either one, but uh, you know, at the start I was definitely saying Barraza, but now I'm, you know I've seen I've seen a couple of the highlights uh, in the past couple of games and. You know, I'm starting to think, oh, maybe, maybe we should choose Freeze to be the number one keeper over Brazil. Davi, how many, how many games, how many MLS games do you see Matt Freeze starting for NYCFC this season, 2023? MLS only, not all competitions, just MLS. I could, I could definitely see, definitely, definitely get more than ten. I tell you that for sure. Um. I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm gonna go ahead and say 25. I'm gonna go ahead and give a start 25 out of the 34. Jordan, same question to you. Yeah, 32. Unless you know, maybe a small bang up here or there, or there's a a, a rough week where he needs to. But I I, I think Priest, if he's not starting game one, then he is by game two. Um, maybe just because he's new, but I think he's by far the better goalkeeper. I can definitely see Freeze uh, be on the bench for the first two games, and then the home opener, he'd probably get the start. I could definitely see that happening. But uh, for sure, I think Barraza for sure will be number one uh, come match the one. But um, after that, I think it's a toss-up. But I think Freeze will end up winning the, the number one job in the end. All right. So I'm, I'm going to go in a little bit different of a route here. I'm going to say that Freeze starts 20 games in MLS. MLS play and the re- and my reason my rationale behind that is, I think that Barraza might get the, fr- the the start in the first couple weeks of the season, and then I think if he doesn't do well, we see Freese take over. But I think that with it with it, with it being his first year in the system and first year uh, as a potential starting goalkeeper in MLS, same thing with Barraza. 
I, I think we're I think that maybe defensively we, we might have some ebbs and flows. I think there might be some games where we concede a lot. And I think I, I have a feeling that that Cushing is not going to be commit to anybody, and he's kind of just going to rock back and forth with some people. And if they play, if they, if, they, if they get hot, he's going to stay with them. And then if they kind of start conceding, I think he's going to switch it up. Um, so I think that maybe uh, that they they go through multiple streaks of starting games. Um, because I I mean. I mean, I, no, I haven't hidden my, my disdain for Nick Cushing as a, as a manager in MLS. Um, I think that he's not, I think he's going to second guess himself and just kind of keep switching the keeper until he finds a until he find until someone kind of grabs the spot by the horns and takes it. But yeah, that's my that's my hot take for today. I do I do see Freeze. Uh, we end the season with Freeze as number one, and then he'll definitely be the solidified starter for next year. I, okay. I definitely see that happening. Last question to the group. Last question to the group. With the news of Ledesma potentially joining and Santi coming back, and that's it. So no, no other rumors that are out there. Just that. What position in the East do you see NYCFC finishing as of today? Um, I got them you know, making the playoffs, I think, maybe by the edge there, maybe like a seven seed or something like that. I don't think they had the firepower yet. I also could see them going on like a rough spatch. And then exploding and having like a nice little run, especially if they make a good summer transfer. But um, yeah, I, I see them as like a you know, bottom of the pack playoff team who might surprise somebody in the playoffs. Davi, that is way too fucking low, man. Oh my god, <laughs> top four easily, top four, either second or third, maybe fourth if we if we do have a little bit of a repatch, but uh, definitely not first. I think I think we'll finish from one to four. All right, and I think. I kind of go back and forth in this all the time, but I think right now, I think I see us fin- finishing sixth in the East. Oh, what the fuck? These are way too fucking low, guys. Come on now. Our, our attack is not proven. Talis Magno is not scoring right now. Who's our best player? Huh? It's Gabby. Who's our best player? Gabby. Uh, I mean, based off of today, yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen enough of him to say that, but okay, that's fine. I just don't think we have a true identity of like, who's a leader, who's our player. It might take some time for us to figure it out. You know, obviously Cushing, you know, taking over now and like running for the entire season. You know, I think that's a, a new interesting tactic. Um, you know, like I said, I, I just, I just think, I think they'll have some great runs, but in terms of like competing, you know, throughout the year, I don't see that happening. However, like you said, if we get a new player or things change, then I certainly could see a big explosion. All right, and I'm going to sneak one more question in, just one more. All right, we're going to wrap it up. I promise you guys, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, how many? MLS starts, do you envision Micha Elenik having? That's a good one. I mean, I'm a, a, overall in life, like, or this season? In this, this season, MLS only. Mm. I, I think he probably, I think he takes over midseason, so I'm going to say, like, 15. I'll go a bit higher. I'll say 18. I'm gonna go even higher. I'm gonna say 22. I don't. I, I don't. I don't see Tavon Gray as the right back that we need. Um, we we've gotten way too accustomed to having Anton Tinnerholm bombing down the right side, providing assists, providing attacking play, overlapping runs. And I think that between Tavon Gray and Micha Lenick, I think that Lenick provides more along the lines of what an Anton Tinnerholm was providing for us. He hasn't. He's attacking minded. 
Um, he can get forward. He can serve in a good ball. We saw that. We saw him serve in a good ball against the LA Galaxy. Um, uh, and and pretty much we've seen that uh, Tavon ha- struggles when it comes to getting forward and serving in good balls. He has the defense part locked down, even though he gave up. Oh, so that, that's uh, yeah. So he gave up a PK today defensively, which is not a good sign. But um, he has the defensive side defensive side of the game locked down. Looked a bit of a soft penalty kick, in my opinion. I mean, he went into the tackle way too hard, and it was in a it was in a position on the field where he didn't need to make the tackle in that moment. It was not dangerous. He could have just contained. He didn't have to make that tackle anyway. Um, so yeah, so I see Micha taking over. I see Gray starting the season out, um, and then maybe at some point there, I think I see them maybe doing like a forty five forty five split, or maybe not even a forty five, probably like a sixty five twenty five split. Um, but uh, I see eventually I see Elenic taking over the starting spot, and then maybe. Maybe NYCC uh, transfers uh, over to a uh, to a three in the back, and then Tavon becomes that third center back. But I do see uh, Elenic uh, now. That that I just said I didn't say what position starting at, but because Elenic could also get some get some time at, at like a true, as a true right winger, um, and turn into a uh, turn into shadows of a former uh, defend from the front, Rodney Wallace. I mean, that, 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 and also, uh, and then also on the left side, uh, like uh, a la uh, Ronald Matarita, who got some, who got some starts at left winger, um, and uh, and with a uh, with Ben Sweat behind him. So I mean, that's not to say that. Um, it's your favorite player, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it hurt my soul that I even had to say his name. Um, but uh, but yeah, I can, I can see maybe Misha getting some uh, some time at right winger, um, and then maybe putting Gabby back on his true left side because he is left footed, and I want to see him serving a left footed ball from the left side. Um, I hate the fact that NYCFC deploys inverted wingers. It frustrates the fuck out of me. But, uh, but yeah. Um, so that about wraps up episode six of Beyond the Smokestacks. Uh, thank you, Jordan, for uh, for agreeing to come on the pod. Um, and thank I, you for having me. And I said uh, I love your energy on Twitter. You are one of the big stirs i know um and i love to hear you out here trying to you know chase some of that stuff on the pot man good stuff yeah i mean i, lo- I love starting the pot and uh th- this is definitely an easier way for me to get my voice and my opinions out there than sitting there with my fucking fingers tweeting on my phone so i mean it's definitely a a, a better channel to get my uh get my opinions and thoughts out and it's, and it's definitely more stable than uh twitter space <laughs> like, just just like drop it in a second yeah twitter spaces are a little bit unpredictable but uh this is more planned and uh intentional <laughs> but I appreciate you guys for sure, man. I'll be back on in the future. Let's talk mid-season and keep it rolling. Word. Yeah, for sure, man. Keep in touch, man. All right. Uh, this is uh, the end of episode six. And as always, New York is blue.